Kevin Marcus Miller, Setbacks to Comebacks podcast. This episode is sponsored by allapproach.com. Welcome to Setbacks to Comebacks. Um, I was watching Tristan Tate on Patrick Bay David's podcast. Now he was talking about, yeah, he said, obviously we're not going to put us working 10 hours a day because nobody wants to see that. That's boring. That everyone sees them. You know, smoking cigars, driving the sports cars, whatever. Sure. Oh, I want that life. He's like, you don't want this life. You want to be able to drive the sports cars, have a, all the girls value that stuff. He said, that's what you want. He said, that's the three hours that you see. He said, then you talk about the other 10 hours where we're working and what we're doing. And that's what people truly, you know, don't realize about success. And then when they do, they're like, I don't want this. That is, you have to be able to put into something, you know, what you truly want out of it. Really what I've seen, you know, in terms of success, there's been two main factors. I mean, obviously like your talent and work ethic, all that stuff, but it comes down to someone's confidence and then, you know, how bad do they truly want it? Meet Caleb Smith, born and raised in Durham, found his passion in two things, soccer and video games. After high school, Caleb took an unconventional path and headed overseas to Germany to pursue his dream of becoming a professional soccer player. Inspired by his journey, Caleb combined his love for soccer and video games to open the Triangle Esports Academy in Cary, North Carolina in October 2020. Facing a pandemic, broken business model, and a general lack of awareness about esports, Caleb had to pivot and adapt to survive. Caleb's relentless efforts paid off as he garnered media attention, and the academy started gaining recognition. Caleb's dedication to education and community involvement led to partnerships with universities and organizations like the YMCA and Big Brothers Big Sisters. In a short span, Caleb achieved remarkable recognition, including the Forbes 30 Under 30 and the Impact in Business Award. Caleb envisions a future where his leadership team and managers continue to make a difference in the community while expanding the business. This is Caleb Smith, and this is his comeback story. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Kevin Marcus Miller. Welcome to another edition of Setbacks to Comebacks. Oh, it's going to be good. You know, I love talking to the athletes. My mom, for those of you who don't know, was actually a former collegiate gymnast herself. So I'm really excited to talk to somebody who has that athletic bloodline, just like my family. Uh, this gentleman uh, is somebody who has definitely had a setback to comeback story, and I'm really excited as a former athlete, and then now a Forbes 30 under 30. Ladies and gentlemen, Caleb Smith. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. First of all, man, I got to ask right off the bat, man, soccer or football? I, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear from you. <laughs> so, in America, soccer, um, and Australia, soccer, Canada, soccer, everywhere else, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, you like football or you like soccer? Which one? I like soccer. Okay, soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like a Messi well, fan? Well, it's, yeah. Uh, I wasn't a big Messi fan. I like Ronaldo more than Messi. There you go. <laughs> nice. On this podcast, we like to really dive deep on the setback to the comeback because I believe that the setback is actually uh, fuel oftentimes for the comeback. Talk to me about your journey. I believe you were a semi-pro athlete in Germany. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So take me back. Um, playing soccer overseas was something I just, you know, really wanted to do. I decided that when I was in high school, so worked really hard at it. And then, you know, went over there, took a leap of faith to go mm. and do it. Wanted my career to go a little bit better, but 
you know, when I got there, I think it was that Wednesday I got there. I got there on a Sunday, and on the Wednesday, I went to watch Bayern Leverkusen's U19s play. So my agent's son had actually played for them. And then about eight minutes into the game, I realized my career wasn't going the way I wanted it to. Really? But, you know, still, yeah, still wanted to play, though, and everything. I mean, I just realized, you know, it's like when you meet, we think you're at a sort of level, like in business or like your podcast, Mm. if you were to meet, like, Tom Billu or Lewis House and he's right. like, these guys are just on a completely different level. It's like that's what it was like over there. I'm like, and this is just the U19. So I'm like, mm. like six of these guys max are going like to play professional, you know, big time. Okay. I mean, and so not even the whole team, you know, most of them, you know, went into the semi pros, you know, not the actual professional. Ah. So it's like when I you truly calculate, you know, how small it is. Think about when you get to like. Um, you have mm. your high school, then your college, you know, shrinks, and you have a professional Olympics significantly yep. shrinks. So it's similar to the same thing. I mean, that's, I mean, I was just, you know, mm. over there, I realized, yes, yeah, isn't going to go the best way. Still wanted to play, Um, still had fun playing there. And then, you know, stayed there. Didn't like the country too much uh, in terms oh, of. Oh, really? What was, yeah, I'm curious about that. What, what was, okay. Um, it was Are cold they... and raining. And I mean, I take the heat. Uh, that we have in North Carolina over the cold and raining. Yeah. Um, but not a lot to do there, you know, just, you know, from where I was from. I did like the public transportation aspect that they had. They thought mm. that was really good. Um, was there a main... culture shock, Caleb? Like, as a black man in Germany, was there some kind of culture shock as well or not really? Not really. I mean, I've been, mm. I've traveled a good amount. Um, so, like, I'd been to Egypt. I'd been, I went oh. to Portugal twice for three weeks for soccer. Um, I'd been on four cruises, you know, oh, some different wow. countries. Yeah. So in terms of culture, I mean, I knew it was going to be different, okay. you know, so they weren't, you know, extremely different. I mean, when you talk about mm-hmm. the culture changes, I mean, their main hobby was drinking beer. So it's like, and I don't like beer, so I didn't fit in too well. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it was like how mm, stuff was smaller, like houses, apartments, you know, and all that was small. So, you know, we go going grocery shop, you know, usually mm-hmm. went, you know, pretty often. But the thing is, our grocery store is a seven minute walk. You know, once that one place I lived at was, you know, 90 seconds from the farmer's market, you know, four minutes from the grocery store. So, you know, yeah. it was different in those, you know, culture aspects and with the whole public transportation that they had and the convenience. So it was really good, you know, to see a socialist economy because I hear a lot of people talking bad about socialist comes Oh, they tax you heavily, sure. you know, that. But then the thing is, I'm like, well, I mean, I think there's good and bad, you know, with okay. all types of besides like, you know, um, I guess like dictatorships. But mm. I mean, just from seeing that, how it's like, yes, they do have a lot in taxes, but for then a lot of people, they only had to pay like 70 euros a month and could ride the trains mm. and bus everywhere. You know, within the region, as opposed to, you know, here, you have to have a car and then the insurance added on to it. And then, you know, insurance costs less there. And and then how, well, they actually didn't allow Uber for a really long time. They may have changed that, but because they said, like, it was hurting, you know, they talked about here, like, Uber was hurting the taxi uh, mm. industry. And they said same thing over there. And they are very, um, like, see. local. So, like, you don't have, I mean, you don't see the McDonald's and Starbucks over there. I mean, there's some, but not a whole lot. Walmart tried to go in there and they actually failed. People, oh, they wow. want to go to a specific store. Like if they want groceries, they want to go to a grocery store. If they, you know, want, um, you know, like the grocery stores didn't even really have kitchen supplies. They're like, I had to go to a separate store to get kitchen supplies. 
So that was I just see. their culture and how, you know, it was different. Food was as well, but I mean, I was expecting that. I mean, Portugal, you know, being from being to Portugal, like it was one meal that was rice and lasagna on the same plate. So, <laughs> and so I mean, when you were on that field, man, and you were transitioning, you realized, hold on a second, I may have made a mistake here. How long did it take you to realize that that setback, right, there was a pivot needed? What was your plan after that? So the thing is, I still wanted to play. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. soccer was still a passion. I realized I wasn't going to get to, you know, the level I wanted to get to. Mm. But, you know, still wanted to play there, had fun, you know, learn another language. So it was overall a great experience, an experience, yep. you know, that if anyone could get, I mean, even if you absolutely hated living there, hated what you did, et cetera, at least to, you know, see and get, you know, open up your eyes to a completely different culture. Yeah. And there was also a large Muslim community there because of a lot of people from like Turkey and Pakistan and other countries, you know, where Muslim was their main religion. And mm -hmm. then just from speaking with them and, you know, hearing and learning about it, while I lived in Bonn and the uh, school I went to, they had there was a lot of, you know, foreigners there because they had to learn German quickly. And so you meet mm -hmm. people from all over Europe and other parts of the countries, just hearing about different cultures and about different religions. Mm -hmm. And then it, I really got my mindset changed on the Muslim religion because mm -hmm. people are very uneducated about it that I've, you know, come across. And then, mm -hmm. you know, things they say, a lot of them, you know, aren't true and they don't sure. truly understand the religion and why they do things. But when you speak to you know, Muslim people that practice Islamic faith, you know, in depth and truly understand i actually have a lot of respect for the religion because i actually got that exposure and got the you know hear and see firsthand you know why they did certain things and what they truly believed and so uh when you realized it was time to pivot from soccer what happened next well i was looking into something else for a little while i just hadn't okay. found anything and then finally i came across esports and so i was like you know this is something that i would be interested in doing but i couldn't really find an opportunity within it so then i was like well and this was in august of 2018 and so then i you know i just kept playing and everything and then the seasons are different you know here i believe the season starts around march as opposed to over there the season started in august time so we okay. were halfway this through what, 2020 what year was this? This, this? this was in 2018 like some winter 2018 so hmm. um going into 2019 and so i was like I was looking at, you know, just going to play, you know, potentially for like a team here in the U.S. Because, you okay. know, at that time, the, the NASL had actually folded and then it was the USL. So, I mean, I easily could have played in that league. And gotcha. so I was looking into potentially doing that. But then, you know, all of a sudden came across, you know, the esports opportunity of doing a gaming center. And so I was like, mm. okay, great. So I'll just, I'll just go finish out the season and then come back here and do this. So I'll say I was looking for something else and that truly showed me okay, okay. i want to do something else yeah i didn't want to just work you know regular job and do all that i wanted to do something impact have a large significance something I that i could wake up every day and be excited about doing and and, and where you're you know, already talking to your friends and your parents about this transition as well did they have thoughts or input not really i mean i said i wanted to get into the industry uh, no one really had you know much to say about okay. it obviously with esports People didn't really know about it. Even still, right. there's people that don't know about the industry. So it was just new and different. And a lot of people didn't understand it, but everyone was pretty supportive of it. Nice, nice. And so you still were able to kind of scratch that itch of having that sports background and being a player, but just in a different arena per se, right? 
correct. So mm. a lot of what we decided to do was taken from the youth sports model. So okay. when you think about it, you have, like, I'll just use soccer since I played that. You have your soccer mm. field. People mm -hmm. can go there. They can play on the soccer field. Right. And, you know, it can be rented out for when teams practice, when teams play. Mm -hmm. You can have your different tournaments there, doing those practices there. So we essentially look to implement all of that within our business. Okay. And when we did that, and we brought it all together. So, and a lot of stuff that we offered, we scrapped. And, you know, mm. we really now with the, the business, we are hands-on gaming, esports, and STEM. And so we learned that there, at first, it was very focused on high-level gamers. Then we realized it was a larger market for the casual gamers. And yeah. then we realized that the youth enjoyed the educational um, aspects that we taught more. And it wasn't necessarily just because it was educational. It was because they got to be creative and really think and, mm -hmm. you know, get challenged, which they don't realize that. But that's the reason why they truly enjoy that. Oh, and so that's brilliant. Talk gaming, to me about that, actually, because that's interesting. Yeah. Is, so the reason why kids love esports is because their brain's really being challenged. Is that what you said? Correct. You know, think okay. of a game Break like Minecraft, you know, mm -hmm. where you can build stuff. I mean, it's endless. The amount of stuff that, you know, you're able you know, to build in the game. And mm -hmm. then any other game that you play, you know, figuring out the strategy of, of how to win within the game. Or, you ah. know, when wanting to make your own, like, obstacle course and, you know, Roblox create. So it, it really brings out the creativity and makes you think. But the I thing see. is, they don't realize they're learning. They think they're just playing video games. And mm. so and that's why we really go on that. And, you know, I mentioned how we have the physical brick and mortar. We're not limited to that because we actually go to other venues and run oh, wow. things as well. Yeah. So we've built nice. a partner um, because groups, places that already have youth. So when you think about it, schools, uh, parks and YMCA, recs. YMCA, park and rec. Yep. Mm -hmm. Boys and Girls Club, and any other, you know, businesses that may cater. Like there's one tutoring business, you know, that we partner with. Mm. We go run programs out of there because they still have, you know, kids there. And they run some elective activities, but wait, what are you know, going and run the gaming activities out of there? Mm. So that's... And that, um, you were able to turn that into a business model, or is that part of the nonprofit side? No, no, no. So that, that is part of the business model. So the nonprofit, how that came <laughs> about was because there was two really big issues so mm. one was that they said, we have no way of getting the kids to you. So then I was like, okay, ah. you gave me laptops. We go to you all. Uh, so that fixed 70% of the issue. Then the other rest of the issue was they said, we're not able really to afford that. So then I was yes. like, well, shoot, how do we get funds? <laughs> how are we going to make this accessible? So then most of the grants out there and, you know, when people gave us usually to nonprofits. So I was like, well, let's mm. just create our own nonprofit. So we did that. Triangle Esports Alliance, and what that does is help fund different missions. And we're mm -hmm. looking to start doing a lot in Q4 of this yeah. year. So, you know, we did an event with the boys, one of the boys and girls clubs. It was in Wake Forest here, and then looking to do more cool. events. You know, later on, but we had to put our board together. We had to get in the fundraising process, wow. and it's not a, I want to say, it's not a super high priority on our list. It's something that where if we get some funds, you know, organizations apply or say, okay, at this time, we're able to work with you all and offer this eventually in the future. Um, once we have, because right now, you know, working all the systems and process to work for the offsite age mm. and make sure the business is running well. Once we get that up and going and everything functioning well, then we're going to really put an emphasis on mm. getting more funds for the nonprofit so that we're able to support 
you know, organizations and the nonprofit supports youth and underserved communities, at-risk youth and youth with autism. That's awesome, man. I love that. That's so cool. So your personal story, if you don't mind, if we get a little bit behind the mastermind of uh, Caleb, is that okay? That's absolutely. Awesome. So what I'm really curious about, my friend, is, you know, I grew up here in Seattle, Washington, and I was one of, you know, only maybe two, three African-American kids in my school. And I always kind of felt out of place. And I felt like um, I didn't really have my own friend group that understood me deeply. And I kind of felt a little bit like an outcast. And I, I was quite bullied a lot growing up. And now I realize that's a superpower because I have understanding and perspective. And um, I'm curious, you grew up in Nor uh, North Carolina, is that right? That's right. Yeah, I grew up in Durham. Durham. Yeah. Walk yeah. me through, take me back to junior high, Caleb. What was going on in that time? Well, we call it a high school. They call it junior high. But yeah, yeah I mean, so I went to um, a small charter school. I know I now coach soccer there for two years. And then I nice. did online homeschool the next two. So I got more time to work on soccer. But in terms of that, I mean, racism, I never recall experiencing any. Mm. And then, you know, really, and growing up, I mean, they're saying they're too, those few black people after school, actually. But, you know, I always, you know, viewed everyone as people and looked to say, okay, you know, we're all, you know, human beings and everything. Mm -hmm. I've never liked, you know, all the dividers that, you know, society sure. looks to put on us. It's like, you know, seriously, you're, you know, mm -hmm. not like someone because they, you know, different gender, have different color skin than you, you know, mm -hmm. tall or short or whatever. I mean, you know, the list can go on and on. And mm -hmm. it's just like within business, you know, you put differences aside. It's like, right. okay. And you should still, I'm a person that they will respect other people's opinions. So for example, it's like, what's our goal and objective? You know, say, okay, with, with this podcast, we want to get to mm -hmm. a million subscribers. All right. We're working to get to a million subscribers. I don't mm -hmm. care who you want to pray to in the morning. I don't care, you know, what, you know, you feel like doing your free time. I mean, as long as I do a certain extent, obviously. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. not, as long as I'm doing anything like right, illegal. Right, right. But I mean, I mean, that we're working, you know, towards the same goal and the same mission. And, you know, I actually like discussing like um, politics and religion. If I didn't discuss religions, I wouldn't have learned so much about the Islamic faith. And, mm -hmm. you know, my perspective was completely changed, you know, on that from, um, you know, speaking with others that practice that faith. And, and so I myself, you mm -hmm. know, always look at and going like when we discuss politics and I always try to feel, okay, why does somebody, you know, truly think this, mm. you know, about, you know, a certain political topic. It's yeah. like, why? Because, you know, some people like, oh, people that want student loan forgiveness, they just have this entitlement mentality. Mm. Whereas sometimes, I mean, that is the case with some people. And sometimes they're like, oh, well. But, you know, we were lied to and scammed. I have told that, you know, going to college and we were going to come out and make an X amount and all that. I'm like, mm. okay, that's a fair argument. And then, like, then other someone else said, well, what about the me? Because my parents saved and paid for me to go to college. And so sure. that means they wouldn't have gotten, they wouldn't get anything, but you'd get your, you know, loan forgiveness. So there's all, I always like to hear everyone's different point and perspective. I see. So in, in junior high, high school, you were definitely more of a, chameleon you weren't you didn't necessarily have one group of people you were open to connecting with multiple people is that what i'm hearing correct and I so see. that's like when you really put that just perspective in light mm -hmm. and so i've learned that in business as well 
And I mean, obviously there's some stubborn people. I mean, mm. there's been times where I've explained things to people and they, you know, had nothing else to, you know, say or argue about. And they mm. disagree with me just because they wanted something specifically to happen. Sure. Even though, you know, I just explained to them why it wasn't the best move for the company. And mm. then there's other people, you know, who just, you know, ask questions and try to figure out. And then, you know, then they understand. They said, well, okay, now, mm. now that I understand that. What if we do this? And that's actually led to, you know, some, you know, I say great breakthroughs within the right. company because they were open-minded and wanted to listen. And they were, and I was open-minded and wanted to listen to their opinion and their feedback. Hmm. I see. This is really inspiring, especially, you know, kids that grew up in your city. I'm sure that when your family saw that you were nominated for Forbes 30 under 30, that must've been a serious like breakthrough moment for you. Walk me through, take me back to that time. Well, a lot of people honestly weren't too surprised about that. Um, <laughs> okay. The ones that knew me. So I like was it. like, even I met one guy's friends and then, you know, there's a long story oh. of how we got on this, but they pretty much had found out I was Forbes under 30. And then they asked mm-hmm. me like, did you know this guy was a Forbes under 30? Cause he had just gone and came back. It's like, no, but it doesn't surprise me. So a lot of people weren't all too surprised about it. Um, oh. They knew about the work really that we put in. And mm-hmm. then really, cause, when we um, submitted the application, you know, our tree anniversary was in October and it came out in, you know, in November, but it was already submitted back in September. So we'd been in business less than two years. I mean, when you factor in everything that we had done, you know, Mm -hmm. all the groups of people that we work with, all the press, I mean, we pretty much got mentioned and featured in every single local press that there was Mm -hmm. minus a few TV stations. So, Mm -hmm. and, and, and then, you know, winning awards and then getting the um, Triangle Business Journal 40 under 40. I mean, and with everything that we did, you know, it was great to see, you know, efforts paid off. And it's a lot, mm. too. I tell people about personal branding and how they market themselves. Right. Because there's some people, you know, that have been in esports a long time, very knowledgeable. But, you know, I've seen the main two things I see is, one, they aren't able to communicate to people mm. that don't understand the industry. And they just mm. get all frustrated and upset. And then, you know, for someone like me, I'm able to, you know, communicate and relate. Just like with the whole thing with sports, like one person like baseball. So I was able to tell them, I said, it's like, well, what do y'all practice? I said, oh, it's like in the games, you know how you play baseball. It's like one week you may work on like hitting and the next week you may right. work on fielding and you have your different positions. I said, no, it's the same thing with the game. Like there's different mm. positions in these games and, you know, there's different, so we may be working on shooting, we may be working like the movement, the strategy. I was like, Okay, that makes sense. I would have never guessed that y'all had all that, you know, because they weren't like a huge gamer. And so that's been one. And the others I've seen is just, you know, not branding themselves well, not getting out and about. I mean, it's exhausting. Like, I mean, you can't just try to throw ads up. It's like you do a podcast, you know, that's part mm-hmm. of it. But you can't just stop at the podcast. Right. Many right. people have podcasts. I mean, I mean, anyone can start a podcast. I can start a podcast today right. if I want to. Why are people right. going to watch it? You know, why are people going to you know, want to come to why are people going to want to, you know, listen to you specifically? Mm-hmm. You have to go out and market and brand yourself as someone that people want to. And eventually, you know, you start getting your word of mouth and, and all right. that. So once you get to the high level, then all that takes care of itself. And then, you know, how they sell the merch and they have, mm-hmm. have their own conferences and everything like that. So ooh, that's what I see the biggest. I mean, it's about getting out of the office, you know, so you say get your hands dirty because mm-hmm. I mean, we're truly getting in front of people. Obviously, if it if all you had to do was store a thousand dollars a month at ads, and then you know fifty thousand people a month would see you, yeah, that'd be great. But that's not you know the reality at first. Yeah. You know you got to go out and you know 
you're your own PR firm. Hmm. That's that makes a lot of sense. You're your own PR firm. That's gonna be helpful for the you know the newer business owners and marketers who are still trying to kind of figure out what the secret is. Do you feel like there is a secret to this, or it's really just hard work? Um, smart work, hard work, and consistent work. So you know mm. they always talk about oh just work hard, small this. So the first yeah. thing is to work hard. You know, because I was going to every single network event, doing all this stuff, you know, because we didn't know what worked or not. And so the fastest way to get there was just to do everything. Mm. And so then after doing everything for a few months, about six months, then we stepped, I took a step back. I was like, okay, what's most beneficial? And I yep. started doing that stuff. And then I was like, okay, this event's good to go to, but it's only good to go to once a month, or it's only good to go to like once a quarter, once a year. And some things are like, no, I'm not going to go to this anymore. This isn't, you know, worth going to it. And so that's why. I'm still working hard, but now I'm working hard in a smart way to mm. where I'm being intentional about what I'm doing now. And then it just comes to about being very consistent. And so, and sometimes, you know, when it talks about working hard versus working smart, like I mentioned, I'm looking to step away from the actual inside, the physical brick and mortar, so mm. I can build up these offsite ventures that we're working on. But in order to do that, I said, if we try to do it now, it's all going to fall apart. So right. I hired a manager. He started May 6th, so less than two months, but he's been doing really well. I've just been stepping back. You know, I've been sometimes going by, checking on things, and saying, mm. what's going wrong? Dress code violations. People are like, oh, you never said this. Whatever. All right, come up with the dress code. You know, written down, make people sign it, fix that issue. You I know, other things. Oh, they're doing this poorly. I look at the checklist. Oh, this is wrong. This needs to be added. Oh, this should be taken out. These things need to be moved. So now it's this is a really working smart moment because it's not hard work i mean i'm working very little right now but mm. it's a smart from a standpoint i'm you know staying out of the center you know only coming back and checking in meeting with the manager weekly seeing what's going on i was like um he was you know struggling to actually you know remember tasks and you know his to do so then i started using asana and when i, started I use using, asana then he, nice yep then he started remembering stuff. And I noticed then with another step when the same thing happened, I started putting him, adding him with your son. So then he started using, and then he started getting the task done. So I realized like, that's just these small tweaks that I have to make. So this, mm. for example, is not working hard. This is one of those working smart moments. So it depends on what stage you're at. I mean, I can't mm. say, you know, specifically what someone needs to do. Like they talk about how Bill Gates would go away right. for two weeks, you know, off the grid you know, read books, he'd come mm -hmm. back and they said like, you know, huge breakthroughs in, in Microsoft would come from that. So, right. I mean, that's not necessarily working hard. I mean, sitting that around reading for a couple of weeks, but it was working smart. So it, it really all depends. I mean, there's times you have to, you know, truly do both. And so, I mean, sometimes it's like, I mean, there'll be so many different events and conferences and reports and ones that's like, you know, from, I'll be at a conference all day in the morning, you know, from mm -hmm. like 7.30 to like 3 or 4 p.m. There's another thing, you know, from like 5 to 7, another thing from like 6 days. So, okay, go to this one for an hour and then switch to the other one, go to the other one for an hour. So there is sometimes, and the next day you have to, you know, be at events right. again. There are some times where it's like, okay, you got to go and work hard and grind it out, you know, doing that smart work. But it really just depends on what stage that you're at. Most people want to say, oh, I'm at the all working smart stage. But, you know, usually aren't. And even still, there's going to be plenty of times where you have to go back mm -hmm. in and, you know, it, it sucks. But get in the trenches and go back to the hard work, you know, temporarily. That was really helpful, even just for me in my own personal life. I'm actually a 12 time sudden cardiac arrest survivor. And I really oh, relate wow. to it. Yeah. So I really, brother, I really relate to what you're saying, because 
right now I'm in a season, man. I, I have to work smart. I can't work hard. Body won't allow it. And so just hearing you at the level you're at, um, you're an inspiration to me as well. So hearing how you also use Asana and how you're delegating and all these things, you know, it reassures me that I'm on the right path and, you know, you're going to be doing great things, man. Really excited to keep watching your journey. Thank you. Appreciate that, Kevin. My man, man, straight up. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is the mindset. You know, that's a lot of, that's a trigger word for a lot of people nowadays, right? It's one of those things people throw around. Let me rephrase the word mindset. We like to talk about it in the in the sense of the comeback is always personal. The setback may be public though, right? So what you were going through with your career as a soccer player, I'm sure there were moments where you felt like, why is this not working? I put in all this work. What is going on? What's going wrong? Walk me through Caleb's inner talk on how you turned that, made that comeback personal and achieve the great success you are. Talk me through that that mindset a little bit. Yes, well, it's a lot of, you know, stepping back and reflecting. You know, I do that in business, I do that in sports, you know. It's like, okay, I'm not just take a step back and, you know, and stop and think. You know, why is something, you know, going on? Why is something happening? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reasons could be all across the board because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, I need to push on it, push on it. And then the, really the key could be, no, you need to rest and relax for a few days, you know. Mm. And so, you know, within soccer, I mean, obviously, you know, things go wrong and things happen, right. but really getting down to the root of why stuff is happening, not letting yourself get into a slump. Mm. I would say, you know, it's all about positive mindset, positive self-talk. You know, mm, all that stuff self-talk. is great, but, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you can't lie to yourself, though. And, that, and that's uh... the main thing, you know. It's like somebody saying, oh, I'm fit, I'm healthy, and they're 50 pounds overweight. It's like, I no, see. you have to be honest with yourself. You're, you know, doing it from a, you know, manifestation standpoint, but then you can't just sit around and, you know, in front mm. of the TV all day and not exercise. And so really, when it comes to mindset, so there's, well, I've seen, you know, a few different people, you know, which I don't, I choose not to associate with, you know, the sure. the bottom who, you know, people with like victim mentalities, lazy mm. people, but then there's other people and they're, you know, they're above average with them. Like they need like the motivation, self-talk, they get real pumped up about that. And then there's people, which I did build that up, you know, at first, but the people I really listen to now are like, mm. you take a Tim Grover, you know, train, it's like Michael Jordan and Kobe mm. Bryant. He has two books that I really like. One's Relentless, the other one is Winning. And he even talks about winning. He says, winning is absolutely selfish, does not care. He says, it will, you know, do everything. He says, has zero loyalty whatsoever. I mean, just how he de- describes it. He says, yep. You're going to work hard, put in all the work. Somebody's going to come on, you know, that didn't work as anywhere near as hard. And he's going to, you know, win. They talk mm-hmm. about the other person's going to get the promotion. They said, yeah, you're going to, you know, win that championship. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're um, the two best players of the team are getting traded. And now you're, yeah. you know, stuck with not as great of a team. And so he's talking about how all the stuff that's going to take on. And then one thing I really like is how he said that. Winning will take you to hell, and if you quit, that's where you'll stay. And he says the road to paradise starts in hell. I mean, Mm. and it's absolutely true. I mean, it's like anytime you want to get to the next level, it's like you have to go back to hell. I mean, and and for and it may not always be like you know physically grueling. You know, first with the business was very physically grueling. Now it's not physically grueling. It's you know from now 
it's really pushing me because I have to, you know, truly be patient. You know, before what happened was somebody come in, I'm like, oh, they're not doing this stuff right, fire them, I was to do it myself. Now it's to the point where it's like, okay, how can I best help this person? Okay, get this software. All right, now mm. to do this. And I'm mean, just painful. I hated having to do all that. So there's different levels to everything. But then, you know, there's people like David Doggins, yeah. and not everyone can listen to these people because when it comes to, you know, mindset, they're on a completely different level. And a lot yeah. of people actually get discouraged about, you know, the, the way these people speak and how they talk and what they say it actually takes. And a lot of people don't actually, you know, want to do what it truly takes and so you know because Dan Pay, I really like it how he talks about how he and many other successful entrepreneurs how they slept on the floor you know in their offices and how they had no work-life balance and all the hours people were he said he said people end up in the hospital from working too hard and I mean all the stuff he talks about you know when it comes to success and that's what I say it's not for everybody so there's different levels you know to where people want to be at but if you want to continue to get to the next level continue to progress then it's winning and say is going to demand, you know, a whole new set, you know, mm. what what enabled somebody to compete at the high school level is not going to help you, you know, at the college level, it's not going to, you know, college level is not going to help you at the professional level at each stage. I mean, you can continue to, you know, adjust and adapt. And I mean, in, it's, you're going to get everything thrown at you. So it's really about a strong armored mindset, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, you see all the top ads. It's like you see like um, Canelo the boxer and Steph Curry, Patrick right. Mahomes, you know, all those guys. They're the ones hanging out with each other, you know, top business people, you know, you know, top actors, because they want to be around people, you know, with that same mindset. I really love how you broke that down. The the road to winning is pay is going to take you to hell. That that really hit, man. Like, I really need to think about that because I've definitely been there a few times. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, it's like as times. entrepreneurs, like um, I was watching Tristan Tate on Patrick Bay David's podcast, you know, uh-huh. how he was talking about, yeah, he said, obviously, we're not going to put us working 10 hours a day because nobody wants to see that. That's boring. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're sitting in front of your computer working. But he says, yeah, then everyone sees them, you know, smoking cigars, driving the sports cars, whatever. Like, sure. Oh, I want that life. He's like, you don't want this life. You want to be able to drive the sports cars, have all the girls value that stuff. He said, that's what you want. He mm. said, that's the three hours that you see. He said, then you talk about the other 10 hours where we're working mm. and what we're doing. And that's what people truly, you know, don't realize about success. And then when they do, they're like, I don't want this. He said, because yeah. you have to be able to put into something, you know, what you truly want out of it. So mm. that's really, you know, what it comes down to. And that's why I see so many successful business people that could be extremely more successful, could have done way more, expand the companies. But because, you know, talk about being like a mental headache, the struggle that, you know, comes along with it, you know, right. having to continue to get to that next level, next level, next level. And so that leads to a lot of people who said, nope, I'm comfortable where I am. I got to that mm. point, you know, worked hard to get here, you know, not looking to expand much further. And really what I've seen, you know, in terms of success, there's been two main factors i mean obviously like your talent work ethic all that stuff but it comes down to someone's confidence and then you know how bad do they truly want it love that love that caleb thank you so much for spending some time with us man on setbacks to comebacks podcast we we on uh on the show we don't like to have our guests do the shout out i like to do the honors because i think it's kind of corny when you go on a show and they don't even know what you do and they don't give you the proper shout out so let me give you your flowers man 
Triangle Esports Academy, Forbes 30 Under 30, revolutionizing the esports world. Folks, if you're looking to uh, find somebody to help you in your youth organization, or maybe you're doing a team building activity, this is a great firm for you to work with. They're vetted. They know exactly what they're doing. Also, I don't know if you're looking for VC funding as well, but if you're watching the show and you're a, an investor, uh, maybe maybe send them a message. Uh, Caleb, thank you so much for being on the show, and we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Had a blast. Appreciate you.